1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Shavink here with you guys, and it is draft season, at least for the 18 teams that have not reached the postseason. The offseason has begun for them, and there's going to be a lot to talk about, right? So I, I obviously, to those fans and to Packer fans who are maybe, you know, taking a ride, on this on this train a little early. Welcome to draft season. Um we'll be covering plenty obviously over the next, you know, 3 months and change leading up to the 2024 NFL draft in Detroit this year. 105 days or so and there'll be a lot going on. So we'll talk about, you know, how the process goes. We'll get to, you know, how the evaluation process for positions go when we get to those as well to certain positions as well as positional history when breakdowns are done on said positions. So there's there'll be a lot of that. I'm sure we'll have a guest on or two, uh, especially on the live show, which might be uploaded to the feed as well. So that'll be really, really fun and a lot more uh, going on there. So for this kind of welcome to draft season, we'll kind of today go through the teams who have um, been eliminated, right? Where they stand in the draft order, what to potentially look for for them. We'll go through, you know, a few teams potentially in a little more depth today, but there'll be a lot of talk about, you know, who's going to take QB, what direction Team X should go, you know, what the mock drafts are saying right now. So we'll go into that. But first, want to quickly talk about the national championship, right? with uh, Washington and Michigan because there were plenty of prospects in that game that I think a lot of people should be familiar with. Uh, One of them actually recently declared for the draft, Braylon Trice. We'll get to him as well as the rest. So I think the biggest thing I think that everybody probably wants to know uh, from that game is how to view both Michael Penix Jr. and J.J. McCarthy. And I think that's, that's very... It's very fair uh, to ask because obviously when you when you look at the quarterback class right now, you see three guys at the top. And, and this has been mentioned by the Chicago Bears already. Uh, Ryan Poles has mentioned this that they're gonna kind of look at the top four guys, which includes fields right in there in their eyes with uh, you know, evaluating, gathering information. So they're going to look at Fields. They're going to look at Caleb Williams. They're going to look at Drake May. They're going to look at Jaden Daniels. So I think that brings up the interesting like point of like, okay, well, who is then QB four after that, and is there a teardrop? Yeah, there there's a definite teardrop, and and I think, you know, I think we got, and, and many and, and this happens right. This happens with certain games, but we get caught up a little bit in one performance. And then we believe this—that's who the player is, um, and it happened with Penix, right? And and that's okay, right? this happens in the reactionary process. Penix had a hot start to the season, and that that was very clear through the org through the first Oregon game. He was he was dominant, right? And you look at completion percentage. You look at adjusted completion percentage, right? He, he's he's dominating. You know, eighty percent. Um, Adjust a completion percentage in four of his first five games. The fifth game was seventy nine point two. Oregon game a little bit less, but you look at you know yards per attempt. It's still wildly high, right? Double digits in his first four games. Arizona and Oregon were nine point one and eight point two, and he had you know even though no touchdowns in the Arizona game, you're looking at through uh this through his sixth game. Uh, through that Oregon game, he had what is that, twenty touchdowns and three picks, right? And I think that you know, you look at those games. You look at that Oregon game especially. You see some of the placement, some of the touch outside the numbers vertically, right? When he's hitting all that, everything looks really, really good. And then they kind of went on, uh, you know, kind. of There was a little bit of a struggle bus going on. I think with with Washington in the second half of the season, people were like, okay, are they going to you know stay afloat? Are they going to be able to handle the gauntlet of the Pac-12 this year? Are they going to stay blemish-free heading into a a conference championship game? And you look at, you know, his performance against Stanford, completing 21 of, of 37. Now, the adjusted completion percentage was higher. There were five drops in that game, so maybe you don't look at that game. You go, okay, you know, USC, how did we do? Not bad, 22 of 30, right, 255, two touchdowns, one pick. But he, he ends up fin- he ends up finishing with 36 touchdowns 11 interceptions 8.8 yards per attempt 4900 yards uh in what is that that should be 15 games yeah so but but I do think there were a couple games where you go mm, there was you know a, a little bit of concern right Oregon State completing 13 of 28 18 of 33 against Washington State the adjusted completion percentage was the lowest of the season. Uh, In those two games, at least in the regular season, you know, he he dealt with drops, right? 21 drops on the season as a whole. But I I do think there were just, you know, disruption, you know, up front from the defensive line, extra extra men on the blitz kind of got him off his game, off his spot. And he he didn't look as precise throwing the football down the field 15, 20 yards, you know, with touch. So he went a little cold, and then he went out and had, according to at least PFF, his best game of the season against Texas in the semifinal. And, and by all accounts, absolutely. 11.3 yards per attempt against a, a Texas team that, again, you, could, you can say what you want about the defense. Uh, they got two studs up front on the defensive line. They were in the backfield quite a bit. And he, he he dominated in the game 29-38, right? Completing 76% of his passes. Adjusted completion percentage was 88%. He threw two touchdowns, no picks. Big t- six big time throws in that Texas game. By the way, five big-time throws in bo- in each Oregon game this year. So he's making big time throws and big-time plays outside the numbers, right? That's all really, really good. Michigan dared him to throw over the middle of the field more. And, and this is where I think that the Tua to Tug of Iloa comparisons with Michael Penix don't really match up perfectly. For one thing, you know, Penix is a little bit bigger uh, in terms of height and size. But I do think you look at middle field touch, you look at moved off his spot a little bit, you look at how he deals with pressure, and it's kind of he turns into a little bit of hero ball outside the numbers. That's, that's kind of his go-to. He just doesn't have necessarily at this point the requisite touch to you know fit the ball between second and third level defenders you know he, he needs to work on that change up he needs to work on you know i think seeing the field a little bit more and you know he, he looked a little bit better off platform out of structure in the texas game but you saw it come back to earth a little bit against michigan he had two picks in that game obviously you know you look at the first pick of that game He gets hit on the ankle low. That might have affected the fact that the throw was not um, out of bounds and thrown away. And then the second one was, you know, exactly what we just talked about, which is like this this middle field touch, you know, trying to fit the ball between a few defenders. Ball was on too much of a line, and and Mike Sainer still picks the ball off. So Penix, with the injury history, and I think kind of being brought down to earth a little bit, his his, – I think this is his lowest graded game. No, Arizona was his lowest graded game. Uh, but Michigan, the second lowest, it makes you think a little bit, right? And I think that we, we before the playoff, I think Pennix to me looks a little scattershot with the accuracy, especially down the second half of the season. And I think we saw that in the Michigan game. So I, I'm not sure if if we're sitting here in terms of like, oh yeah, this is a first round QB. It's possible that it happens but he's 24 and he's had, you know, multiple knee surgeries, shoulder, shoulder injuries, right? He, he, he didn't finish seasons, uh, very often, uh, before Washington, but now he's, he's got two in a row where he has finished seasons and the grades look really, really good. And, you know, 20, just 20 turnover worthy plays in two seasons. The percentage is very, very low. Um, compared to his last two seasons at indiana and the big time throw percentage is is up quite a bit at least consistently so i petnix is is in that second tier probably a little ways down from the top three but i'm sure someone team will will kick the tires and at least give him a chance in the league for sure i just don't know if it's going to be day one it feels more likely he's a day to pick then it brings you to JJ McCarthy. Right, who I, I think when you when you talk about McCarthy, it's very easy to point to like, okay, well, is he really like the guy carrying this? Is he running the show? Is he Michigan's version of like an AJ McCarron or a Jacob Coker? He's probably a little bit better than that. However, I think it's it's fair to say up leading up to the Penn State game, he was playing very very well this year. He was you know throwing with you know a lot of confidence. You saw the velocity, you saw the tools, you see him on the move, you see him thread the needle a few times. You go, okay, this is this is much more promising than the year before. He's still pretty risk averse, at least interceptions would tell you. However. His turnover-worthy play percentage is higher than that of a Michael Penix. He's had 24 turnover-worthy plays the last two seasons. That turnover-worthy play percentage is hovering around 3% the last two seasons, a little higher than 3%. Penix's is much lower. So that's got to be a concern. Um, So he's getting a little lucky in terms of turnover-worthy plays to interceptions, just four interceptions on the year. Three were against Bowling Green, one was against Maryland. And you can look at it and go, okay, well, in the playoff he did throw three touchdowns. I would I would say that I think one of them was, you know, obviously a, a really strong yak play. One was, you know, the late one on the, on the RPO, just dump it to Wilson. So I, I do think there is validity to questioning his play to this point, right? He hasn't had to do a lot of heavy lifting down the stretch other than the three touchdowns against Bama. You look at Penn State, he threw eight passes, right? Maryland, he threw 23 passes, completed 12 for 141. He threw for 148 against Ohio State. It was efficient, right, 16 of 20. And then Iowa, 22 of 30 for 147 yards. Just didn't do a whole lot in the game. Had a, had a turnover-worthy play, no big-time throws. And you sit here and go, okay, he's a young guy, right? He's 21. Maybe someone tries to take the Jordan Love route with J.J. McCarthy. Sit him. We'll see if he declares because he hasn't officially declared. I think Penix is out of eligibility, so he's in. But we'll see what McCarthy decides because I don't think he's finished and ready to go. It looked that way early in the season, but when you finally you know looked at the stretch run of, of a, you know a tougher schedule, I think you saw the warts a little bit. I think you see the wild inaccuracies, the footwork causing – you know, mechanical issues up top, just not being in sync. There, there's some of that to his game for sure. So I'm not sure if we're gonna see him in this draft. It's it's gonna be interesting. Obviously, you know, there's the second deadline, so we'll be we'll be carefully watching that. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes for McCarthy. Um. Now, the rest of the guys from that game, there's there's a lot. I think when you look at Troy Fautanu from the ta- left tackle from Washington, I know a lot of people are going to try to kick him inside. I wouldn't kick him inside just immediately, just cause. I think you've you've seen him do a really nice job with flexibility, you know, the knee bend, everything to be in really really good position when confrontation arrives. Really really good snatch, violent hands, good anchor. Right when you have that type of flexibility, that type of power that ability to finish, you know, get guys on the ground consistently, he was dominant, right? He, he was he was absolutely dominant as the left tackle this year. And I, I honestly truly believe this, that he was genuinely the reason why um, Washington won the Joe Moore Award for the offensive line. He had an 86.5 pass blocking grade, uh, just two sacks allowed. 23 pressures allowed so maybe not like the most dominant season but when you look at some of the players he was facing right Oregon's got some studs outside Birch Brandon Dorless. you know you look at the guys from from um, UCLA didn't play him this year did play him last year but but this is not a and and really he was his Michigan game he was a better run blocker in the Michigan game, which I find very interesting. but I, I do genuinely think that like we're we're sitting here looking at I think just an overall impressive player who should get the benefit of the doubt playing left tackle. He's had you know over 1700 snaps uh, doing so. I think actually over 1800 doing so the last two seasons. He does have some experience in left guard, so there's that opportunity to move him inside. I think you got to try him to tackle it f- first. And, and by all accounts, he's still going to be down at the Senior Bowl, so I'm, I'm really excited to see him down there. Uh, I, there were some declares, but we're still waiting on some guys. Obviously, Mike Sainer is still the, the slot corner from Michigan. Tough, opportunistic, really strong, really strong playmaker down there. Worry a little bit, I, I think Jace McClellan made life a little difficult for him uh in the in the semifinal. Uh, but when you're asking him to do stuff in, in coverage, that's where he really shines. Great eyes, great discipline. He he will he's going to make a team pretty pleased with how he plays, especially in coverage. I, I think when you look at how he's going to be able to defend the run, right? He obviously had his worst tackling grade, his worst run defense grade of the season against Bama. Is worthy of, that's, it's worthy to mention that, right? He obviously had the pick to seal, kind of seal the deal against Washington to win the national championship. So, you know, I think he's had, by all accounts, a solid season. But, you know, he's not somebody that I, I'm... Necessarily potting the table for I think there might be some better nickel players in this class to be honest, but when it comes to being like just kind of like a rock solid coverage player as a nickel, I think Sainer still will deliver in that regard. Obviously, Roma Dunze didn't have the biggest game in the national championship, but I do think he is an exceptional player. He's probably going to be going top fifteen, maybe even top twelve. Uh, height, weight, speed, acceleration, really good routes, really good at the catch point. Smooth after the catch. I think he does it all. Um, he's not quite on the neighbors, Marvin Harrison Jr. tier for me, but another really exceptional player. Jalen Polk, good blocker, great hands, right? Not the most explosive player, but a really reliable one who I think you get asked to dig out players in the run game. I wouldn't say he's this year's Puka Nakua because that's, that's really not what I'm thinking of, I'm I'm just thinking of more of a dirty work, you know, kind of possession slot receiver who can kind of expand the target zone a little bit for his Q B. Really like Jalen Polk. I think he can he can really find a role. Now the other the third receiver, Jalen McMillan, who I think is I think second in terms of talent of the trio, he did officially declare he dealt with injuries this year. Really smooth athlete and when, you, when you're when you that smooth and fluid, like you get the ball in the backfield, you know, you're know used in a variety of ways. I think he can dominate in this slot as well. Probably a Z flanker type, whereas a Dunze is more of the X. But I, I do think McMillan will probably be underrated a little bit in the process just because we didn't see a full season from him in 2023. We've talked about Braylon Trice before uh, on this show. And I, I do think, like he obviously just declared for the draft as well. Six four two seventy four is what he's listed at right now. Seventy eight total pressures, eight sacks. Uh, last two seasons, one hundred and forty eight pressures, seventeen sacks. Would love to see him finish more. Right, he's not the best tackler. He doesn't quite finish the best when you in, when you are talking about you know sacks as well as as, as tackles for loss, but uh he he showed a lot in the texas game of like okay he can finish right there i just want to see it consistently game after game because i i think he can wreak havoc he's just gonna be one of those guys where you go man you know he had a guy dead to rights and he just didn't didn't get him down and when you're you know playing in an nfl with guys like mahomes and allen and um Lawrence and Herbert and, and guys who can extend plays and Lamar and like that. And like when you don't finish sacks, it is it is debilitating to a defense. And that's really my only concern with him. Otherwise, like said, he is, you know, really powerful, really explosive and flexible for a player like his size. He's definitely somebody Green Bay would like right at like 274, especially if the testing's really good. But I, I do think he's probably going to be a top 50 pick. Uh, Rod Moore didn't play a whole lot. I believe he's going to be going to the draft. Six foot 198. I think just another guy who's been rock solid. He had to work back from injury this past year. I really liked his 2022 film. And I think that he can get back to that point. We'll see if he comes back or not. But I would like to see him in the draft because I think the safety class... It's not the best, but it's not the worst that we've seen in the past few years. But I do think Rod Moore would make the safety class a lot better. Chris Jenkins, we've we've talked a lot about him. You know, freak athlete, really, really strong run defender. Does a lot of the consistent stuff uh, when you're lining up snap to snap as a defensive tackle. I think we, we overrate flash a little bit when we're talking about defensive tackles because it's cool to see them rush to the passer. It's even cooler when they're three-down studs, I promise. Like, it's even cooler when they can do a bit of everything, and I think Jenkins can be that. Roman Wilson, uh, possession guy, slot receiver, reliable, you know, goes outside his his catch radius a little bit to make some plays, smooth player, not overly explosive, but I think reliability uh, for him is is probably the calling card more than anything else um he's done well to catch point too so for a smaller player so roman wilson i think can find find a home and stick for a while in the league it's just he's never going to be you know one of these elite playmakers at the next level a few others um blake Corum, obviously i think and donovan edwards both kind of been hot and cold uh, Donovan Edwards was extremely cold this past this past season, and I know he there was injury he was dealing with. I just don't think his like processing speed and processing skill set right now is is fully developed. I think it's extremely spotty. I don't think he sees things well in front of him. Uh, I mean, look at his first touchdown. He ran into the back of the offensive line before realizing he could kick out. um and and some of that is like a gathering flexibility issue in terms of when he's trying to change direction. But because he's so fast, so explosive, someone's gonna be like, All right, can we work with him, you know, when it, when there's not duo, when there's you know, a little bit less power running? Can we work on zone stuff with him? Maybe. Maybe. It's just I, I'm wondering if you're gonna look at like him and be like, Oh man, it'd be really nice if Edwards didn't have to gather a step to kind of change direction. Because there are guys right who obviously can make the one cut and go and they they, they look really Efficient when changing direction. And then there are guys who, Zach Moss is a prime example of this, guys who kind of have to square up or gather themselves before they can change direction. And you lose a little bit of time, right? Time is everything when you're trying to hit explosive plays, right? Can you you do a good job of recognition, but also respond with motor function quickly to hit a gap when you see it i do think edwards may be a little bit lacking in that area i think corum is what w- was really sudden and smooth last year before he in- got hurt i know he had a lot of touchdowns this year um it felt very jamal williams to me uh that last that year in detroit where he had a bunch of touchdowns but you see it sometimes when the running duo Right, you see that sudden jump cuts. You, you see him be able to kick stuff out, which is really, really good for teams who can run duos and power. But I think he can handle himself in zone as well. Uh, and you know he has that leadership quality to him, so it's easy to see it there. Um, guys like Jabbar Muhammad, who's a competitive tough corner from Washington, will see what he's planning to do. Edif if one ulofosio from washington the linebacker he'll be in the draft he's i think a little bit underrated in this class and we'll also see if junior colson from michigan decides to leave he played a lot with a cast on this year and still played pretty well he's a big big guy uh at linebacker i gotta i'm gonna check the what what he's listed at in pff six three two forty seven. that's big that's like jack campbell big in last year's class so really really good tackler got a 90 grade there 83 in coverage 80 in run defense like he is really impressive playing the linebacker position so we'll be watching that Uh, a couple quick news um stuff to go through really quick amika buka from ohio state wide receiver is going back to school for his senior season i understand it a little bit with injuries right he dealt with that um I still think he probably could have been a top-five receiver in the class, to be honest. I know not everybody will share that sentiment, but he he definitely looked the part in 2022. 2023, I think, obviously, his biggest thing was being the guy when they needed him in the Notre Dame game. So, that's... Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, he gets to go back to school and probably be talked a little bit about... Um. High, hi, may probably highly regarded uh, in next year's class. Um, Obviously, Braylon Trice declared this morning. We talked about McMillan declaring already. So those that was kind of the big news. We're kind of still waiting on a lot of others for the second deadline. So we'll probably have some more news on that uh, going forward uh, in future shows. So we'll take a break here, and then we're going to talk about the teams that.
0: Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered.
1: All right, back here on it's always draft season. So it was hard to talk, think about who we're going to talk about first, but I think we gotta we gotta go this direction. And I know being a Packers um, podcast feed, you know, it's not as fun to talk about these guys, but it's always good to know your enemy. So the Chicago Bears top pick in the draft right now. They pick first. They pick ninth. That's pretty good, right? Obviously, they they get the first overall pick last year. They weren't ready to move on from Justin Fields. They trade that pick away. They get a lot back from Carolina. They're set up well. Carolina not set up well at all. So what will Chicago do, right, at QB with the top pick in the draft? Does that change the mentality? I mean, obviously, right? If you're picking – so say you're Chicago, right, and you don't have number one, you're picking ninth. You have to be. I think you have to have a a little bit higher conviction to go. Okay, we we got to move on from Fields. We not. We just aren't quite seeing it. There are flashes of it. There are moments of it. But do we consistently see it with him? And I think that's the fair question to ask. I I I try to stay away from the stuff of like he sucks because I don't think that's quite you know the way to go about talking about it. I think there are, there are clearly moments as a passer where you see it. There are still moments where you see him holding onto the ball too long. There are moments where the accuracy is a little bit scattershot, and then there are moments where he's, you know, hitting 30, 40 yard throws on the field, down the field right where it needs to be. there have been some better throws outside the numbers, better throws over the middle of the field. He he has still got the flash that you'd like to see. You just want to see it more consistently and haven't done so yet. So that comes to the decision, right? Getse and the offensive staff are pretty much all gone, right? That was the big cleaning house moment for Chicago this week. Eberflus is staying. I don't know. So some people are arguing that that means continuity. That means they're going to stick with fields. Don't necessarily. I, I don't think that's necessarily true, right? I think you can believe in the coach realize the offensive system was not working and and now be looking for an offensive system that you want to fit your rookie quarterback. I think they're going... I I do right now think they're going to lean Caleb Williams or Drake May instead of Fields. Jane Daniels or Fields would be a much more interesting question to explore, but they have a number one pick, and I don't think Jane Daniels is going to be the first player off the board at one for Chicago should they stay there and pick. So I think when you look at that, I'm going to lean the QB... I do think right now it's going to it's going to depend a little bit on what they do with their hiring process but like Caleb has the higher ceiling than May May's a little bit more polished within structure right now Caleb plays a little reckless logically with the decision making and did so a lot this past year going to have to kind of weigh that with how Drake May plays and Drake May kind of does some weird stuff under pressure that you don't like to see however I think he's got really good recognition skills post snap, and that's something that I think the Bears will like from him. Obviously, I think, you know, Jaden Daniels, when you talk about him, the Heisman winner, explosive, a ton of speed, right, exceptional runner. I think he's developed a lot in terms of working backside on his reads, working, you know, you know, the front side of the concept, getting to first and second read, throwing really well down the field. He's got really nice accuracy and touch down the field, back shoulder, all that stuff. So maybe they lean there. I don't know. But I do think Chicago is going to go the route of the young quarterback as of right now. In terms of their needs, right, so free agents for them, they got Jalen Johnson. Uh, I think it's important to point out that they have two uh, interior offensive linemen and three receivers that are set to be free agents. Obviously, interior offensive line is not going to be something you're thinking about at nine, but receiver might be. So if you go the QB route and you feel confident with, with where Braxton Jones is at, where Darnell Wright is at, and you go, okay, we think we have the tackle position solved. We can obviously add depth to that later in the draft. But if we want to take receiver, Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, I think are going to be guys they're going to look at a lot. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. comes in play if you don't like the QBs at the top and you roll with Fields because you're probably not going to move down as far. But anyway, receiver, interior offensive line, I think for Chicago is something they're going to have to address. Whether that be center, whether that be guard, might be both. Um... And then you can look at the defensive side of the ball and go, okay, do we want to find the Montez Sweat running mate? And I think you can do that. I, I do think someone like Jerzon Newton might be in play for them as a passing defensive tackle at 9, but I think it's more likely that you look at a guy like Latulatu, maybe Dallas Turner if they go light as a rusher opposite Montez Sweat, or Jared Verse. I think all of those guys are in play for the Chicago Bears because I do think they need somebody opposite Sweat. You want to rush the passer. You want to get Sweat more one-on-one looks. Add more talent to the defensive line. Make an offensive line focus on multiple guys up front. And that's that's where Chicago should be looking early. Receiver or, I think, edge rusher early for them. So, that's, that's pretty much where Chicago sits for me right now. When you look at the Panthers, boy, they got issues. Just because this is a team that should have the first overall pick right now. Obviously does not because they move up for Bryce Young. Uh, C.J. Henderson, D.J. Chark, Frankie Luvu, who I think matters for sure on the defensive side of the ball, Brian Burns, Yeter Grossmetos, Jeremy Chin, Troy Hill, all free agents. So a lot of free agents on the defensive side of the ball. D.J. Chark's free agent. Their receiver room is not very good. Ikea Kwanu is not playing well. They picked 33rd. So, you know, that's that stinks. They're going to have to capitalize on day two offensive line, particularly tackle, I think it needs to be at least considered, but obviously receiver I think is going to get a lot of attention. Amika Buka going back hurts a little bit because that's just one more guy that could have fallen to them. They're going to have to think about what they what they want at the position. Do you want, you know, good size, great separation? Do you want elite size and maybe the separation isn't quite as good? You look at contested players. That's something they're going to have to talk about because a guy like Troy Franklin, a guy like Xavier Worthy, they can make sense for a team like that. But also, you know, Troy Franklin playing through the catch point. He's a little he's a little thin, right? The thin frame, you know, into in spaces like that where the margins are a little thinner and you're getting hit over the middle. Is that somebody you want Bryce Young throwing to Xavier Worthy has hand technique issues? He has drop issues. That's very clear. He's got game breaking speed and separation quickness as a route runner. But do you prefer reliability or do you want that explosive playmaking? That's maybe a little bit of a trade off. Carolina is going to have to think about when they're talking about receiver. If they let Brian Burns go, by the way, they're, they're really dumb because that means they didn't trade him when they knew they weren't going to resign him. It's a mess right now. It will be interesting to see who takes uh, that job. And, and we'll be able to kind of talk more about the Panthers down the line okay uh Washington commanders let's go there they have the number two overall pick currently obviously you know there's gonna be talk about QB time at two and I think you know Sam Howell yeah there's just he's a gamer he can th- he can he can spin it around the yard another guy who holds the ball too long another guy who can go really cold. I, it just seems like if you were like, oh, Sam Howell or Drake May, I feel like you're going to lean Drake May, Caleb as well. Jaden Daniels, probably lean Jaden Daniels even so as well. So I'm almost certain like you can go, okay, well, we can take the young QB. Now, if you don't want to do that, if you want to do the veteran QB thing, you want to roll with Howell again, offensive tackle becomes becomes that need because they do have some – they have a couple offensive linemen who are going to be free agents, Cornelius Lucas, Sadiq Charles – so at the very least, depth needs to be there. Curtis Samuel, free agent. Kendall Fuller, free agent. Three linebackers, free agents. So probably going to be a team who dips into the linebacker market and free agency or the draft. But offensive tackle, Olu Fashanu, Joe Alt, guys who will be potentially in consideration be a, a short move down somewhere, maybe to six with the Giants. The Giants are in QB. Maybe they move down to Atlanta spots at eight and they still get one of the tackles, it's going to be tough though because I do think there's enough offensive line needs where you go, okay? How far can you move down? So I think it's QB or offensive tackle right now for Washington. I don't see that changing a whole lot. The New England Patriots are at three. Yeah, they're going to have to. They're going to have to go QB as well. I think. I think it gets really interesting if you're talking about them in Chicago. If there's a move up there, if that's something they're willing to do. Caleb, Drake, May, Jaden Daniels. But if they sit at three, they can land one of those three. If they, if whoever the new coach is going to be, because obviously Bill Belichick, as of this recording, it was about like an hour and a half ago or two hours ago maybe that they announced that he is parting ways with the Patriots. So it, it would probably be Vrabel or Gerard Mayo. They're going to probably want the QB. Will they see Jane Daniels in the same vein as the top two? If not, then it gets really interesting, right? Because there's a chance they can't move up. So then it's like, okay, are you going to move down? Are you going to take the chance on Penix? Are you going to be that team that moves up from pick 34, which you currently have? Or are you going to be able to pick Penix at 34? Then I think tackle comes into play at three, and all to Fashanu. Maybe receiver, but I think you can probably address receiver later. But, you know, if you take the QB early, then, you know, you don't have tackle. You don't have receiver. Honestly, like, this is legitimate. I, I've done this in a, in a fun little mock. I, I think they can go all offense and justify it in this draft. They can go all offense, offensive line, receiver, skill position, tight end perhaps as well. Because Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki are free agents. Something to think about. Obviously, Trent Brown and Kendrick Bourne are two other major ones. Kyle Duggar and Michael Mike Anwenu, the guard. Like, they, they have a lot of free agents on offense. Obviously, the secondary with Jalen Mills and Duggar are some spots where, you know, but they have they have some money in free agency. They can kind of, you know, add to the defense that way and then potentially, like, legitimately do an all-offense draft. And then that's something that I think they should consider. Arizona Cardinals. This is where it's kind of nice, right? You have Kyler. You have James Conner. You might like Michael Carter's RB, two. You have Trey McBride locked in. Some some cornerstones on offense. You you're developing a young tackle in Paris Johnson. There's a lot to like. Um, where do you go after that? This is obviously where I think if if QBs are the talk at the top with the current teams that are sitting there, this is obviously where the Marvin Harrison Jr. talk starts, and I think it will start at four with Arizona. Kyler and Marvin Harrison Jr. sounds pretty good. He's got you know more size than a lot of the receivers in Arizona. Him and Michael Wilson give you a lot of size to the position, which is really nice. Uh, Greg Dortch is a free agent, as is Hollywood Brown. I don't imagine they're bringing back the latter. In Brown, Buda Baker is going to be one they're going to have to talk about a lot, as well, uh, at safety. Feels like you know he should be a heart and soul of the defense type of player for Jonathan Gannon, and and could be back. But if not, obviously you're still looking at, at pick four. You're looking at, okay, who's the best player here that we can take? Now, it's it's, it's not impossible to think they can go tackle, maybe move on from DJ Humphreys, maybe get super young at the position. They get a Fashana, they get a Paris Johnson Jr. That's a lot of heavy investment. It might not work out, but it's a really strong process to make sure that your QB is upright. He can scramble around a little bit and you have guys who can sustain blocks for that extended period of time. But Marvin Harrison is probably the direction they'll go now. The other thing to watch, of course, is they have Houston's pick in the first round. Don't know where that's going to end up. Right now it's, it's, it's sitting at 21st because of just how the records and strength of schedule um, are, are set right now depends on who wins this weekend if both green bay and tampa bay win this weekend and houston does not they will have pick 19 just works out that way so with that pick they're probably i think you got to look secondary guy like terry arnold guy like Khalil mckinstry maybe Jerzon newton's still there maybe they can land one of the edge rushers um as well or you start dipping into the fact that like byron murphy should probably be rising in this class out of texas i think they're going to go one offense one defense Unless they like, you know, one of that the tackles in the second tier and they want to go that direction, they're gonna have a lot of options. They could go safety as well for the secondary. It's gonna be a true BPA spot for them. I really like how Arizona is set. I think they have like the most one of the most um draft cap they have like some of the highest draft capital, of course, in the uh, in the league right now. I'm trying to think of if they're number one or not, I have to look this up as I'm sitting here, just to just to check and make sure, uh, because I know they're one of the top few. So I, I think uh, it's it's got to be one, it's one or two. I think, gosh sakes, I can't even search well to bring this up because I I want to know where Arizona's at because they obviously have pick thirty five. They've got sixty six and seventy one currently as well. This probably is number one. Yeah, they are currently number one in terms of draft um, power rankings. I think Tankathon did this, but their value is significantly higher than second on the list. So Arizona's got a lot to be able to maneuver around. They do have Houston's. They do have a third round pick from Houston as well. So they've got three thirds currently. That's a lot. That is a lot. A lot. A lot. Three in the top thirty-five. Really, really good position for Arizona to reload this roster and get themselves into kind of a Houston position where they could, you know, start to contend pretty quickly here as long as Kyler can hold up. Um after the Cardinals, we look at the LA Chargers who pick fifth, right? I, I think obviously coach is is going to matter with how they address things in the first round. Will they, will they be hiring a coach and a GM that like the trenches a little bit more? Could they fix right tackle quickly? little high for JC Latham, but maybe Fashanu and, and Alt, one of them could move over to the other side and play right tackle. Otherwise, you're looking at like a, all right, can we be more explosive on offense? Can a Malik neighbors help us? Can a Brock Bowers help us? I think those are really the only places that you look at. Otherwise, I think they're a trade-down candidate. There's obviously going to be receivers to be had in later rounds. If they want to trade down and land somebody like Latham, who has played right tackle, Fuaga, who has played right tackle, they could do that. This is probably your first like trade-down candidate that's probably not going to net a QB. This is a team that's going to maybe move up and see they like a certain player. So who could that be? Maybe Atlanta has a chance to land a QB at five. Seems unlikely, but maybe the Jets like somebody. Maybe Minnesota like somebody. You know, it's, it's hard to say at this juncture, of course, but the Chargers do feel like neighbors, bowers, offensive tackle, or trade down. Uh, Michael Davis is a free agent for them. Eckler is a free agent. Everett, three safeties, which I think is notable. But there's not, like, they're going to have to shed contracts. So trading down feels like a move they should probably make if given that opportunity. New York Giants. The needs are pretty similar, right? We're we're talking about Evan Neal not playing well. They needs they need a number one receiver. They don't have it on the roster, and there's a talk about QB. Even though they're kind of committing to Daniel Jones at this point, Adoree Jackson, corner, Barkley's a free agent, Xavier McKinney in the secondary as well, and then they have three offensive linemen that will be free agents. This is where this is again another spot where you could see Malik Neighbors. Maybe Roma Dunes, they have both neighbors and Harrison are off the board or they they, they go the offensive line route. It just feels like offense is probably the way they're going to have to go. Dayball really hasn't been that good without Josh Allen in terms of offensive success. Now he was 15th um, in offense last year with Daniel Jones in a full season, staying healthy. 15th though isn't going to really necessarily cut it. They're going to have to get better somewhere. If it's not QB, they're going to have to start building around Jones a bit more. So, okay, let's go to the Titans, right? They think they probably have their their, their QB. They got Ty J Spears. They feel young there. Chigo Conquo. They're probably going to want to look at receiver as well. This is where the Adunze and neighbors talk still continues. They're, again, offensive tackle. Uh, For their free agents, Derek Henry, Danico Autry, Aziz Shire, Bunting, and Fulton, maybe this is where the cornerback talk starts for them. Nate Wiggins, that's possible. Or they stick to the script and go offense like basically everybody else in front of them. Very possible. Uh, Like I said, receiver and offensive tackle are two spots they need to get better at. Just like the Giants, just like the Chargers. Goodness sakes, just feels like everybody, right? So... They're going to be in that realm as well, and and we really haven't talked about defense for for a lot of teams. We'll start with Atlanta at 8, because I think if they don't go QB, if they find the veteran or they wait, this is where defense, I think, becomes important now. I don't think they're going to go skill position in the top 10 for the fourth straight year, but they could. Why? Four receivers are free agents. So we've seen crazier things happen, I think for the atlanta falcons so it's something i think they could consider uh but it feels more likely that they'll be potentially the first team to draft ned Drush or jared verse latu if the health stuff checks out for him so yeah i mean i do think that maybe corner with wiggins is, is where this starts as well this feels like more of a defensive approach uh at eight Jeff Akuda, Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree are notable free agents on the defensive side of the ball. So receiver, edge, corner, and obviously quarterback are things they're going to have to address in the offseason. Chicago is ninth. We already talked about them. We'll skip them. The Jets. What will GM Aaron Rodgers do here? This is probably where the point where you go, okay, the top two tackles are off. At least two receivers are off, if not three. A Mike might right, go to Chicago right before this. Then it gets interesting. There's a chance that Brock Bowers is still on the board, and that's the direction they'd probably go as the best player available. Um, but another team, offensive tackle and wide receiver are clear needs for them. Uh Carl Lawson, Dwayne Brown, Jordan Whitehead, Bryce Huff is probably the biggest uh free agent name on the edge, but they have obviously Will McDonald, right? They're feeling good about that. Fuaga and Latham, the talk might start here, especially for Fuaga, You know, kind of a road grade in the run game with quick feet, good hands and pass protection. Like, maybe that's the guy they go with. Or maybe they get aggressive. Even though they don't have a lot of picks. Maybe they get aggressive. Maybe they go, okay, maybe the Chargers want to get down. We'll go up and get one of the tackles. Not impossible. Uh, but we'll have to see how free agency shakes out for them. But I still contend offensive tackle receiver Ashton Davis is a free agent. He played some decent ball in spurts. Like safety is probably something they're going to have to look at as well. An interesting class to be looking at that. Uh, no doubt about it. Cam Kitchens, if you're just looking at 2022 film, might be in play here. But I I doubt it uh, with how he played a little more inconsistently in 2023. Moving on from the Jets, Minnesota. QB, if Cousins comes back, I think we negate that for a year. Minnesota is a tough team to figure out. Like which, which – which cookie jar are they putting their hand in right now? They putting their hand in like the rebuilding cookie jar? Or are they trying to be contenders? Are they putting their hand in that cookie jar? I don't know who they sign at QB. If they sign Cousins back, that will let you know. They have a lot of defensive needs besides QB, though. I don't know if the Penix talk starts now, and we'll talk about this probably with Denver, too. I just don't think it starts this early. But we'll see. Um... So Cousins is a free agent, of course. Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport are both free agents, and then Osborne and Powell. So receiver depth is probably something they'll have to look at. That'll be probably later in the draft. They need to fix their defense. Uh, Edge rusher becomes something in play here a lot too. A Turner, a verse as well. And then probably corner, um, which they've consistently whiffed at. So it feels like a Patriots receiver. Patriots and wide receiver situation here where it's just like they just never may hit a corner I have no idea So, but it does feel like defense is probably their route if they don't go QB Denver, are they going to go the veteran QB route? Obviously Penix, JJ and Nick's discussions kind of start they've been talked about here but it just doesn't feel it just feels just not, I don't think that's going to be the case, I think they're going to have to maneuver around somehow uh, to do it which I just, I'm not sure I see that, right? And I don't even think they have, do they even have a pick in the second round? They don't. It went to New Orleans. So that's tough. Um, could be a trade-down candidate here and maybe take a QB a little bit later, near the end of the first round. Josie Jewell, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, the really the notable free agents. They got a lot of guys coming back, which is good, but also, you know, they're in a weird spot here at 12. This could be another trade-down candidate, right? Edge rusher, corner, potentially opposite Sertan. Offensive line could be a big need as well. I don't think they got out of they got a lot out of the McGlinchey and Powers contracts out that they were hoping, and then Cushenberry, their current center, is a free agent. We'll see how it shakes out, but like interior offensive line, right tackle, and defensive line and corner are probably their biggest needs. Does Vegas make the big move at QB with the next head coach? Do they trade all the way up in the top three? Maybe. I don't think they have their QB on the roster right now. Aiden O'Connell, Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever the next head coach is going to be, if it's Antonio Pierce, if it's Jim Harbaugh, who knows? Um, I just think they got to address QB. I'm wondering how they're going to do it. Uh, Will they go get Justin Fields? Maybe. He'll have Devonta Adams to throw to. Uh, he'll have Michael Mayer, have Jacoby Myers. Like there's, there's, there's some some substance there at the skill positions to help out a young QB. Or they make the big move up. Otherwise, like offensive line, I think is a big need. Five offensive linemen are free agents. Um, so again, more Fuaga, Latham talk here as well. Maybe a Marius Mims. Right, we haven't kind of mentioned his name yet, but that's something that's possible. Uh, you look at the defense, they could use a lot on defense as well. This is a team that's going to have to kind of rebuild some stuff on both sides of the ball. A few teams left here that I want to talk about New Orleans. Does Dennis Allen still have the locker room? Is there belief in Derek Carr? Jameis Winston's a free agent. Uh, Trey Turner and James Hurst are free agents. So is Rashid Shaheed. Receiver, corner, defensive line, probably all in play at 14. Um, I think this is probably your Roma Dunze absolute floor. Maybe Indy at 15 is your absolute floor, but it feels like a Dunze's off here or he's already been off. Uh, Nate Wiggins, McKinstry, Terry and Arnold, Cooper to Gene. Four guys who are in the mix, I think, at corner. This is where the edge rusher, we've talked about the three of them already, versus Turner and Latu. Jerzon Newton may be in play here. Maybe you start talking about Chop Robinson, an athletic pass rusher. That feels like where they're sitting to me right now. QB, they're going to have to probably figure out. They can get aggressive. We've seen them get aggressive. Not impossible, just like Vegas. Maybe they like Justin Fields. I don't know. So they, like Vegas, are going to be something interesting to watch, defensive side of the ball, but also for QB. Indianapolis at 15. Noted this down because I think it's important. Ballard has just seven selections in this draft, so uh, they're not picking here at 15. They're not picking here unless they get like – so Michael Pittman Jr. is a free agent. Unless they get Roma Dunze here, I don't think they're moving. I mean, I, I think they're moving. Sorry. Like unless they get somebody just wicked here that they're like, wow, I can't believe they're here. At 15, they're moving down. They're moving down for sure. Um, so I mentioned Pittman Jr. is free agent. Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, obviously Minshew. Tyquan Lewis, Danny Pinter. So this is a team that's, you know, defensive line-wise could use a little more juice on the interior. Maybe they get Byron Murphy in a trade down. Um I don't think they are go to Andre Sweat. I think he's just too too big for their liking. Uh it's 6'4 360. They could be in the corner market as well. Uh they they have a they have young talent there. Right, Jalen Jones played some good ball in flashes this year. Obviously, Julius Brents is there. They still could get better though at corner. So, like a trade down to Lanterian Arnold, a trade down to Lam McKinstry. That's something I could see them doing. They could they could dip an if dip an edge again, but probably not. Their needs feel a little more defined. They could offensive line is still something they could get a little better at, which sure. But this is a trade down candidate. They're not they're not sticking here and picking. I highly doubt it. So. Three teams left. Seattle, uh, they they need help at offensive line, especially on the interior. Edge rusher, something they could address. Safety, something they could address. QB, question mark, they could address. Uh, New coach now with Carroll out. Sounds like it could be Dan Quinn. We'll see. Maybe they go, okay, we got Geno Smith. Maybe we like J.J. McCarthy if he declares he's young. Let him sit for a couple years behind Geno, and then you start him. Sound familiar? It should. So it's not impossible there. That feels like the team who would swing at a McCarthy with the tools and the youth and the ability to grow and develop. Otherwise, I just don't see it for anybody else really who's looking because Seattle's in a unique spot, but you know, you look at interior offensive line, you look at a Graham Barton, you look at maybe moving, kicking Fawaga inside. If you like to do that, uh, where else could they go? They could move down, of course, right? They they have a, a need at center. I think Olu is, is solid. They could be the Jackson Powers-Johnson team. It seems early at 16. Graham Barton maybe isn't as early for them. It's a lot of talk about him from Duke kicking inside. Edge rusher. They could find the last guy of Latu, Chop, Versus, and Turner to potentially play there. Jerzon Newton, if he's still available, somebody who probably should be in play right? Leonard Williams, a free agent, Jordan Brooks as a free agent, uh, Damian Lewis at guard and then Daryl Taylor. So they, they do have edge rusher need as well. Maybe a Braylon trice. If they're getting really frisky here at 16, I don't know. So edge rusher interior offensive line, I think safety still in play. And then we mentioned QB They they're, they're going to have DK and JSN. I think Tyler Lockett's, you know, kind of close to the end, uh, but this 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 team is still a team that can flip the switch and contend with a couple tweaks in terms of personnel. Two teams left Jacksonville. I think it's really important for Jacksonville to have this season because they can kind of retool things. Um I don't want to get into Trevor Lawrence debates because I'm gonna get fiery and hot headed. So I'm probably gonna avoid it this offseason. Um I genuinely just not gonna not gonna discuss it. Go watch film. Um, they're going to have to get bigger at receiver and more reliable at receiver. Calvin Ridley's a free agent. Chase on and Josh Allen are free agents. I would personally rather bring back Josh Allen than Calvin Ridley at this point. they got to get more reliable. Calvin Ridley dropped a lot of passes. A lot of passes this year. And I'm not even talking about the one where you could go, well, Lawrence probably should have hit him for a touchdown against Tennessee. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But he's also dropped touchdowns all season long. That cannot happen. Uh, they feel like a prime move back candidate. Their interior offensive line is not very good. They're the Jackson Powers Johnson team in a move back. They're the Graham Barton um, team in a move back as well. They could go offensive tackle again. I wouldn't even hate it just because I think Cam Robinson, Walker Little are kind of eh. Anton Harrison has showed me quite a bit this year, though, at right tackle like that at least interior with guard they need to get better there as well cooper bb right this is where that kind of talks talk about with them in like day two so they got they got other needs there but offensive line receiver are two big needs and this feels like everybody's needs apparently it's a good draft to have that need um defensively secondary this could be the cooper to gene team it really really could and i wouldn't bat an eye at it to be honest so I do think secondary is something they're going to have to get better at, as well as maybe the interior of the defensive line. So they got a lot of needs, um, and I think long-term contention, hit that reset button, I think they can do that. Last on the list, and then we'll get out of here, Cincinnati. Offensive tackle, right, we're going to have to talk about. We're going to talk about you know, the fact that Jonah Williams is a free agent. you got to talk about the fact that DJ Reader is a free agent. Ty, uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and then Chidobe Oguzie. So really quick on Cincinnati, right? If Higgins and Boyd leave, I think they're going to look at receiver with one of their first three selections. Uh, Keon Coleman would almost fit, f- kind of fit what T. Higgins did, uh, win the ball in the air, you know, some some fluidity and some flashes that can tell you he's a three-phase player. Not It hasn't been consistent yet, but he can be a wide receiver too. Uh, J.C. Latham, Amarius Mims, and uh, Fuaga all should be in play here for them. Maybe Troy Fatanu becomes one of their guys, and, and they they pick him in the first. He he takes that rise a little bit. Kingsley Suamataia is young, twenty years old at tackle. Options, right? However, the DJ Reader thing, and this is why I find interesting. DJ Reader is big, and right the, the scheme for Cincinnati has often talked about needing Reed, Reader who's huge and, and more of a one tech nose tackle. And then you have your more of attacking type in BJ Hill. Everybody wants to mock them Jerzon Newton. So the scheme is going to change a little bit. and You're going to get lighter on the defensive line. Watch out for Tavandre Sweat to move back for this team. He's the big dude who can affect all three downs. That's exactly what would replace DJ Reader. So there you go. 18 teams uh, eliminated. We talked about them. We talked about the Panthers. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, and um, we'll be back with a lot more Um kind of kick things off. We're gonna talk a lot of senior bowl and draft declarations over the next month or so and get into a lot of evaluations. So I hope you guys are excited for that. I'm gonna get out of here. Enjoy your Thursday. It is Thursday, right? I don't know what day it is. Enjoy your Thursday and I will catch you guys very, very soon, potentially even uh tomorrow on Friday. Take care.